Hello and welcome to episode 18 of Soundscape Vietnam. My name is Jeremy and I'm your host. Today we're joined by Luis, who is a musician living in Binh Hoa, and he is a man of Spain and Britain. And he can go into more detail about that later if he wants to. Um, but that's the introduction. Luis, how are you? Doing well, thank you. Um, just took a bike ride over here to Saigon. Um, flying over here just to get up here on time. <laughs> and doing well, thank you. How about you? Uh, I'm pretty good, thanks. End of the long holiday, so uh, just winding down, getting ready for work tomorrow. Did you go anywhere? No, I didn't. Um, I've traveled a couple of times during national holidays, and they were always really insane. So this time decided just to stay home. Like uh, one time I went to Dalat, and we went a day early, so there, there was like no one there. And then the next day it was just completely flooded with people mm. and, and just like trash everywhere and not, not a good time. So. No, especially <laughs> Dalat. Like it's a place where you, you're meant to connect with nature. Right. And then you see nature. Uh, sorry, you see trash and... Right. That must be a bit disappointing. And just floods of people. So, um, yeah, just, just stayed here. Uh, did you do anything interesting? Um, I had a birthday party for um, my nephew. Oh, okay. Yeah. He's uh, four years old. And um, that was on Friday. Saturday, um, I was just staying at home, taking care of my son. So, uh, nothing out of the normal, really. Yeah. Okay, cool. So, let's start with... Um, why you came to Vietnam, because this is something that I always ask our foreign guests, why are you here? And it's a question that people yeah. ask, ask me too, yeah. why, why are you here? So uh, what, what brought you to Vietnam? Um, so I've been a teacher for almost seven years, mm. and um, I had been working in Russia for two years. And uh, I had a bit of a problem there with the, the company I was working for. So I decided to go back to Spain, um, start again. And uh, I actually stayed one year doing absolutely nothing mm. in terms of work, just living off my savings, um, playing guitar, um, dabbling a bit with other types of music and um, jamming with friends, etc. And then um, one thing led to another. And then I was talking to a friend and he said that he had come to Vietnam and how there were just so many job opportunities. Um, so I originally wanted to go to Thailand and um, the company that I had contacted, which is, it's not an actual school, they have, it's like um, an agency. Mm. So the agency said, uh, we don't have any more vacancies in Thailand. Would you like to work in Vietnam? And I was like, sure, sure. Like, let's do that, you know? Mm. And they didn't tell me it was Bien Hoa. Uh, <laughs> so... I was like, yeah, you know, I don't care where it is in Vietnam. Uh, they showed me on the map where it was. I was like, yeah, sure. I see it's not too far from Saigon. Mm. So let's go there. And um, I just love being here. I love the country. I love the people. Very welcoming people. Um, I've learned so much from them. I have some Vietnamese friends. And um, I don't know. I don't, I don't see myself leaving the country anytime soon. Mm. But uh, yeah. So yeah, I wanted to ask you actually if that's possible. Oh, yeah, sure. How long have you been in <laughs> Vietnam? Uh, I've been here for six years. Wow. Yeah. That's double the amount I've been here. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but still still very short compared to um, the the real long-term guys and, and ladies who mm. have been here like 10, 20 years. Um, right. So, so I, I still, I consider it like a medium length of time. Right. Like more than most people I meet, but still not to the level where like I'm I'm kind of a foreign local I guess you'd say. I see what you mean, yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, same same thing. I, I, I enjoy living here and uh, don't see myself leaving anytime soon. It's quite, I don't know. Because I lived in China as well. And it's a very hostile country. <laughs> I hope any Chinese <laughs> listeners, I, it's nothing towards you. It's just my own point of view, you know, how I, how I experienced it in my own skin. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, living in China, I traveled to Thailand. Uh, during the Lunar New Year. That was in 2014. And um, I went to Thailand and, I, and it was just a completely different experience. You know, you wave at people on the street and they'll wave back. Mm. And, um, and you wouldn't get that in China. And uh, yeah, I just want to point out that Thailand and Vietnam 
have that similarity, you know, where people are just very welcoming and, um, and you know, happy for the most part, you know. They're, mm. they're just very, I don't know, humble. You can learn a lot of good qualities from people here, I feel. Yeah. And their culture. Yeah, I agree with that. Um, even even with like crazy driving, there's not a <laughs> lot. There's not a lot of road rage. You yeah, know, pe- people kind of brush off a lot of what happens. Which That's true. Sometimes maybe things shouldn't be brushed off, but uh, I think it often leads to a more amicable uh, ending to a situation than I see what you mean. What it may be in other countries. That's true. I mean, in China, there's the whole. Losing face, right? Have you heard about this? Yeah, yeah, I've heard about it. <laughs> I I've only been to Hong Kong for like a weekend, so I've I've haven't experienced like Chinese culture firsthand. Mm. Yeah, um, I personally didn't have any experience, but um, my ex girlfriend at the time did have an, a bad experience. Um, mm. Like her, the director of the kindergarten school wanted her to uh, do a play for three year old kids, and they had to. Uh, they had to remember the dialogue. Like they had to learn their verses for the play. Mm. And so uh, she, my ex-girlfriend at the time said, uh, you know, I don't think this is going to be possible. And so the the principal just smiled at her and just just smiled at her instead of actually <laughs> looking for a confrontation, you know? Mm-hmm, so yeah, yeah in, in some instances, it's actually better, you know, in, instead of actually creating that tension right. between people. So like, yeah. That's that's it can be a pro for some people and it can definitely be a con for other people. Right. Sure. Yeah. And I feel like your experience living here is is probably a good bit different from mine just because of the location of of where you are. Mm. Um mm-hmm. so for anyone who's not really familiar with the geography of southern Vietnam, uh Binh Hoa is like Louis said, about an hour away from Ho Chi Minh City on a highway, uh, so you can you can take a highway straight there, right? That's right. Yeah, you have two options. Yeah, yeah, um, and it's quite industrial. Man, it's very industrial. Yeah, it's, it's dusty. <laughs> it's like it's like a post-apocalyptic um, industrial, <laughs> dusty, lots of air pollution. It's actually the. Binhua is known for the for their industrial zones. Mm-hmm. They have like five or six industrial zones, and you have uh, factories from Korea, Thailand, Japan, India, and all sorts of um, like they produce all sorts of things, you know. Mm. But yeah, that's what it's known for. And supposedly, I heard they have a, a mental asylum or something like that, like a mental institute for people that are you know that they've lost their mind. Right. But I don't know if that's just a popular myth. Never well, actually, and, I've well, never they, seen it. And so. they escape or something? <laughs> maybe, maybe. I'm fine for now. I haven't been influenced yet. Right. <laughs> so what would your kind of daily life be like uh, outside of work? Um, so I was working at a bilingual school mm. and I finished my contract in at the end of, Ju- at the end of June, I want to say. Yeah, end of June. And... Um, when I was working, I would get back home at 4.55. Mm. And that's it's when I'm... a very I'm, specific time. <laughs> yeah, I'll tell you why, though. Um, yeah. <laughs> um, the reason being, um, Kelly, my fiance, um, she has to go to work at 5. Mm. She has to be there at 5. And um, where she works is, like, literally three or five minutes away from where we live. Mm. And um, I get there and I get home, I mean. And then what happens is Kelly... Gives us, or gives me our son, and then we kind of swap roles. Mm. So she goes to work. I've been working during the day, and then I take care of my son. Mm. So um, you know, I just do the the basic chores. You know, um, feed him dinner, um, bathe him, put him to sleep, and once that happens, that's when I have like freedom. It w- freedom sounds wrong. It sounds like I don't have freedom. <laughs> don't, don't get me wrong. Um, more free time. More free time. Thank you. Yeah. yeah. Um, I have more free time to just do whatever I want. So, um, so yeah, th- that's when I, um, I, you know, I put my headphones on. I make some music or, um, I don't know, I just chill by the balcony, uh, you know, read or watch videos, um, talk to family and friends. Mm. So, yeah. Um, yeah. Sorry, I don't know if you want to shoot another question. I don't know what to say. No, that, that's a nice segue because uh, now we can go into the music. You you have time in the evening when your son is sleeping or 
or napping, whatever, and uh, and then you put the headphones on, get working on the music. That's right. So can you tell us about your music? And I realized I should have said this in the, in the intro, um, <laughs> that your artist's name is Slower Avenue. Mm. And so I apologize for not saying that earlier. That's cool. Um, so Slower Avenue, can you can you tell me about the that project? Yeah. Um, Slower Avenue uh, had no or has no real aim. Well, sorry. That sounds really nihilistic uh, and pessimistic. <laughs> That's not what I mean. Um, when I first started with Slower Avenue, I had no aim to do any specific type of music. I just knew that mm -hmm. I wanted to do less lovely dovely type of music. Mm -hmm. um, like in the past, um, I had a side project called uh, Cuddle. So like embrace a person or cuddle with a person. Mm -hmm. And uh, there's music on Spotify and YouTube of that music project that I had. Um, and it was much more, um, electronic, basically no guitars, mm. um, just, uh, pads and keys and so on. And the voice was pretty washed out in reverb and so on. And, um, yeah, the, the, the overall feeling or vibe that the music would give was, um, that of like, you know, being with your partner, being at one with her and so on, you know, and finding the right person, blah, blah, blah. Mm. And then I kind of, I would put music, I would put music out and I didn't really care, you know, as much as I do now about putting out music. And the reason being, um, in the past, I used to just put music out without considering, will people listen to it? You know, will, will they actually listen to it? So with Slower Avenue, um, two important factors were making music that was more introspective, um, more thought provoking, um, instrumentally different. Uh, taking influences that I had had in the past with other bands and and just listening to music by myself. And um, what's the other thing? And the other thing was just to uh, slowly put music out. You know, see what people say, see how people react. It shouldn't matter, but to me it does, you know, and mm -hmm. it did, you know, because in the past it was just like, that's, you know, just uploaded to the internet and um, not caring much about anything just like getting something off your back, you know? Mm -hmm. And now I'm just, I, I don't stop making music. Like uh, I, I have folders and folders of, of songs. Uh, some I just have to literally just, on the keyboard I just, it has no title to the song, you know? <laughs> some of them are like, oh, this one sounds cool. That's the title of the project on the on the software, you know? Mm -hmm. So so yeah, it's just expressing differently with uh, a different aim, uh, instrumentally different too, and um the approach has changed a bit too, I would say. Okay. Um, there are a lot of different directions I can go after. Go for it. <laughs> after and what you just said. Um, so you have a large variety of influences, it sounds like. Um, and from what I've seen on social media, you're involved with this group that promotes um, goth and new wave electronic stuff so what are the influences on slower avenue and then what are some of the influences you also had when you were growing up musically speaking um okay uh those are two different questions but got it, got it, got they're right, related yeah. yeah i don't know which ones to start with <laughs> um so let's start with the the second question the latter one okay okay um influences many um Obviously, the the more traditional music, uh, rock music. Uh, by that I mean like the Beatles. Mm. Um, I remember my dad had a, a car where you could uh, you could place CDs at the back, and you could place it had a rack, so you could place maybe I don't know five or seven CDs, mm. and then when you're at the front of the car, you can choose the CD that you want to play, mm. the album, right? And all of those were the Beatles. So you know from the more Tradition, uh, sorry, traditional, typical ones to the more like elaborate ones from um, Sergeant Pepper's Hearts Club Band. Sergeant Pepper's Lonely Hearts Club. Lonely Band. Hearts yeah. Club Band. Thank you, thank you, Jeremy. <laughs> yeah, that's the one, and and uh, so many other ones like the White Album as well. Um, mm -hmm. And so the Beatles were there. I think my dad kind of impulsed me to to listen to music more, you know. Um, and my uncle as well. He he used to play the guitar a lot. He gifted me the guitar that he once bought when he was only 11 years old. And uh, I don't know, there was this thing where through music I could, I just felt better. 
Mm. And um, influences a lot, uh, a lot of different types of influences. Um, like I, 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 like to this day, I will still listen to folk music or um, you know Bob Dylan, Donovan, mm. um, John Baez, um, you know, and then transitioning to bands like uh, Patti Smith or uh, the Velvet Underground. So I can listen to music that is let's say more stripped down and then I can also listen or I can enjoy listening to bands that are just like pure noise mm. uh, like um, Sonic Youth uh, Dinosaur Jr those are bands for the 90s mostly mm. um, and then My Bloody Valentine which is more like dream pop with like noise a lot of noise um, so I have phases or I think everyone has phases when they listen to music right? for sure um, according to the mood they're in and where they're living as well and um uh yeah uh and about um about the event that you mentioned right about mm -hmm. the organization um it's called other voices yeah and it's uh, it's run by thomas galvis uh he's uh he's a man from san diego mm. correct me if i'm wrong thomas <laughs> but i think he's from the west he's from the west coast mm. he's from california and um he he's been trying to i think he's well yeah he's been in vietnam for almost seven years and he's been trying to promote different music because he doesn't see that that type of music is being played in venues. Right. So, hence why uh, it's not just gothic, um, like goth goth rock, shall we say? It's like synthwave, uh, dream wave, oh, dream wave, uh, dream pop, sorry, <laughs> uh, chill pop, and you know, new wave and dark wave, like music that is not as much listened to or heard in venues, as I said. Mm. Yeah. Some of those genres, if you just like added an extra adjective to the name, I, I, I probably would believe that it's a, it's a real genre. Yeah, <laughs> like dark wave. I literally never heard that until you just said it. You even uh, have cold wave. So, but but then you know. So what you, the hell does that mean? <laughs> yeah, no, good point. And then you have minimal minimal wave. So like, I feel like these things probably all sound really close to the same. <laughs> you are not wrong about that. You're not wrong. Um, that much is true. Um, like. You're right about that. Um, if you listen to dark wave, you have to listen to. You, you should differentiate between what is dark wave now to what sounds or is was dark wave in the past without it being mm. dark wave. You know, and that's what I hate about music uh, tags. Mm -hmm. I don't like um, genres and tags. I feel like it's a bit limiting. It is for sure, especially if if um, they're people whether they're listeners or from labels or or uh concert organizers mm -hmm. they're all different in the way they perceive music but they're often all looking for you know a certain genre uh so if you play a country artist and you really want to hear country but then you hear a song that has like some pretty heavy guitars in it and you're like oh this isn't country anymore mm -mm. i'm not gonna i'm not gonna listen to this and or i'm not gonna put this person in this country show because the guitars are too heavy yeah and so I, I i i agree with you that it can be limiting and then that also gets into artists minds as well where they feel Definitely. like oh damn i can't do this thing in this song because then it might be perceived as something else that's right that's right um and on top of that, you have bands that just never change the music they make. Mm. If you know what I mean, like they they stick to a specific sound, and then, which is cool, you know, because they they've either they they've either reached that sound, or they're just happy making that type of music, you know. Mm. And um, but then sometimes it's that you know it just stays like that, and then they they can't really evolve. Right. So yeah, yeah. So with slower avenue what would you say is the largest influence? Like what genre has the largest influence on you? Um, <laughs> uh, that makes it hard. Um, <laughs> or cause, cause not, not the single, not the single most impactful, but l let's say a, f a few of the most. Sure. Impactful. Okay. I'll give you like a concoction. Like okay. A cocktail. Yeah, yeah. Um, I'd say bands like, um, the noise of Jesus in the Mary chain. Have you heard of Jesus in the Mary Chain? I have not. It sounds interesting. All right. Yeah, you should. Um, have you watched Lost in Translation? 
Yeah. Bill Murray. And, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah. So the song, um, Just Like Honey. It's been a while since I it's saw cool. that movie. It's cool. It's <laughs> cool. So just check the bass, uh, sorry, the soundtrack. Okay. And uh, Just Like Honey. Um, and that song kind of is the perfect example in the sense that you have these guitars that are in the background just making noise. Mm. But they, you can kind of tell the the, the note that they're playing, because mm. um, because yeah, I mean the notes that they're playing are just like basic, you know, G, C, and so on. But the overall feel is just kind of like I, I don't know how to explain it. But in other words, I like music that has a balance between lots of noise, noise that can make you feel a bit uncomfortable, but sweet at the same time, like a mellow, like a bittersweet feeling, so mm -hmm. to say. So. Um, so yeah, um, I, again, I'm not answering your question. <laughs> um, I want to say many bands. I'll say Jesus and Mary Chain, uh, My Bloody Valentine, um, and bands that are more contemporary to this day. Um, like, uh, I don't know if you've heard this band from, uh, be it's a Belar Belarusian band from Belarus. Mm. They're called uh, Molchat Doma. I don't think so, no. All right. Uh, Doma is house in Russian as far as I know. And uh, Molchat, I, I think it's, I don't know. I don't know what Molchat is. I think it's an adjective though. And uh, I really dig their sound. Um, I really, really like their sound. And bands like those, there are so many. So having lived in Russia, um, I, I had a lot of people that shared music with me, students mm -hmm. especially. So I learned a bit about that type of music, which is kind of like, sorry to say cold wave and dark wave <laughs> and all of those, you know? Mm. So, um, like you, they gave you that feeling where you actually feel like you're in a dark room and it's cold, you know, mm -hmm. but at the same time, it's like someone's there that it's embracing you and you should trust them kind mm. of feeling like, you know, the cure, I'm sure you know the cure. Yeah, yeah. So bands like the cure, you know, as well, um, they have that dark element, but can still push through to be radio friendly and, and, you know, nice to listen to or mm. easy to listen to, shall we say. So a mix of all that, yeah. So is is part of what you're trying to do with your music is creating an atmosphere. Definitely, yeah, one hundred percent. A certain type of atmosphere, and does that change between songs, or is there a kind of general atmosphere that you want the listener to feel in all of your work? Um, at the moment, I would want it to just be digested as one. You know, mm. like. The same way when you listen to a, a concept album, you know, where each song hooks to the next song, you know, mm. like you finish the song and then it goes to the next one and it has a similar feeling. But nevertheless, yes, uh, it's important to to bring spices and variety to a different song, uh, to another song, you know, so that it sounds different to the previous one. Mm. So, yeah, but atmosphere is definitely important, you know, from an intro to a bridge to an outro, like that has to be there. And for me, it's... Um, as of lately it's been a lot of um like playing with the keyboard mm. and experimenting as well with like the drums and so on okay yeah so it sounds like you have the ability to play multiple instruments no <laughs> <laughs> well you you just named three guitar keyboard drums yeah <laughs> or at least at least electronically uh like programming drums or, or using yeah, pads or whatever. I think I think it's just because of um, opening a DAW, like a, opening a software yeah. to, to make music. I think it's just because I've done that for so many years now that um, it just, it, it comes naturally, you know? Um, so yeah, in the, in the past when, when I would make a song, uh, the first thing would be chords, right? Um, guitar chords or um, bass notes, etc. Mm. But now my approach is just like, let's create the drums first. And um, I have this uh, a launch pad. Mm. So mm. it's basically a, a square um, with pads. Yeah, yeah. And um, the cool thing about the pads is that they have the, the velocity matter of the topic thing, mm -hmm. which is like if you st strike a note, or in this case, you strike the snare or any type of drum, from the drum set, um, elements, sorry, from the drum set, um, it will sound kind of realistic, but, um, and that's something that I, I, I've been struggling with, you know, it's like, which path do I take? Do I want to create drums that sound exactly like the drums in a studio without them actually being 
what they should be, you know? Mm. Or should I take the more synthetic uh, path? And um, yeah, in this case, I, um, I've decided that it doesn't really matter. I don't want to think about it too much. Mm. So I just go for drums that have an element of acoustic, like that's it sounds acoustic, and then some elements that are more digital and electronic, you know? Mm. And then, because you can create your own pad. That's what I wanted to say with the launch pad. So you can just like, okay, the kick is going to be kind of like a... I don't know, like um, um, 707 or like from one of those old um, drum machines, mm. um, which to this day are being used so often uh, in music. And you take that kick and then the snare is more acoustic, you know, and then the toms are also acoustic. But then there's like another element that is just like an effect sound, you know, which sounds like super weird. Right, right. Yeah. Like a meow, you know, <laughs> right. bangs, I don't know. Right. Yeah. Yeah, uh, and that's, I think, a difficult thing uh, when you're creating all of the music yourself is like, how do you want these individual elements to sound e exactly, especially when you're experimenting like, that's right. like you are. Um, so let's go back in history a bit since you mentioned these different instruments. And you mentioned before that you grew up on a lot of Beatles and I guess other classic rock. Mm-hmm. What's the first instrument that you learned to play and, and how did you get into creating music? Um, what was the first instrument that you played? That I played? Yeah. Um, well, I was actually a singer for most of my life and then I, I, got, I asked for a guitar for my birthday or Christmas um, because I wanted to accompany myself and I wanted to write songs. So... My parents got me a decent little starter guitar, and uh, I was so lazy at learning how to play it. <laughs> so it, it actually took me years until I could play full songs because I just would let it sit for months and, oh. and, and then start teaching myself again. And uh, this was before like YouTube had millions of guitar videos. Um, so that makes it more challenging. Yeah, so to this day, I still don't consider myself like, a guitarist, guitarist. Uh, but yeah, guitar is the only thing that I know how to play. Um, Mostly a singer. To answer your question, I mean, it was guitar as well. Yeah. But I can't play the keys. Uh, I remember I had a piano teacher um, when I was in primary school. And it's a very faint memory, but I remember struggling a lot. Mm. Like I can't remember word for word what I had experienced but I remember that the teacher got like kind of frustrated when I was trying to just I don't know learn a song you know um and that was the first time I ever played with a keyboard but um when I was 12 years old um much like you but I hadn't been singing uh previously uh um I asked for uh, guitar lessons mm. and the school that I was at had like a, a rehearsal space and um they would give you an electric guitar and you could just practice for an hour with a teacher. And he asked me, what songs do you want to play and stuff? So I would just say like this and that. And can you believe he would just open ultimate guitar tabs, which I think many guitarists <laughs> here know or people that are starting to play the guitar will know. Right. Um, and <laughs> yeah, that's how it began. Um, but I feel like, I don't know you, um, I feel like you learn most uh, or the most when you play with people. Mm. Um yeah, you know, even people that are like super, super experienced, you know, and um, that's the most important part of learning, I feel, because then they will tell you, you know, like, look, you should try this instead, or you should prefer uh, perfect that, you know, or take away that note and try this note, you know, and I think that's something that um, that is really important, and I don't have that when I make music. I don't have anyone that will say, no, don't do that, you know, mm -mm. which is good and bad. I think. Right, because uh, you don't have judgments of your bandmates, but That's right. also if you do something that 99% of people will not like to listen to, yeah. <laughs> but you're that 1%, then <laughs> there's no one to say, uh, hey, maybe cut that out. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay, so we we're just talking about um, doing solo music. You, you kind of just don't care necessarily what other people think because it's it's your own output but i believe you mentioned before the podcast that you were in a band or multiple bands in spain 
That's right. Um, so what what did you do in in those bands, and and what was your experience like? Yeah. Um, so when we say multiple, it it it's actually from the same band. So like the okay. band, uh, shall we say, mutated or uh, became <laughs> okay. dismembered, <laughs> right? Uh, without sounding too gruesome. Um, so the the first band that I ever made with my best friends, uh, we were called the Laid Backs. Mm. So like when you laid back on a sofa. Right, right. Um, and uh, it was just your typical bass guitarist, um, oh, sorry, bass guitar, two guitars, uh, electric guitars in this case, and uh, a drum, a drummer in this case. So yeah, and I was, um, I used to sing and uh, I used to play rhythm guitar. And uh, yeah, one thing led to another, a member <laughs> had a baby with uh, another member of the band. And- um, Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, yeah, and we were, we were quite young at the time. We were um, 17, 18. And, um, but yeah, we played, um, several concerts, um, like at, uh, I remember we once played at a, uh, at a clothing store. They had like, that's that, really uh, random. <laughs> yeah. But it was, it was epic. It was epic. Um, they, they asked for like an a- a- encore mm. and it got pretty, uh, pretty crazy. And I don't even remember what I was playing. I know I was playing <laughs> in D mm. that was the, the, that was the note. Just drumming different things. Yeah. <laughs> Um, and yeah, that was, uh, we didn't get like much recognition because, um, when I say that I'm from Spain, um, I lived in Gran Canaria. Uh, I, I don't know if you've heard the, of the Canary Islands. Yeah. Yeah. So they're off the coast of Africa, North of Africa. Um, and they're closer to Africa than they are to Spain. And, uh, the, the music scene there is Okay. But the chances of you being able to play are very limited. Mm. So yes, you have venues that are like they have everything. You know, they have an equipment to to play and so on. And there are people there that will listen. But the overall um, goal of people that make music in the Canary Islands is to go to Madrid, to the capital. Right. And that's where you kind of rock it off. You know, you launch. Right. So we were young. You know, I mean, I was still in. I was finishing high school. So, yeah. And that band, as I just said, like, because of that situation, um, it, it was, lim- uh, it was reduced to just three people, uh, without a, a drummer. And, um, we made a recording. The, the band changed to a different name. We were called Nile from Nihilism. Mm. And it, it did become darker, we could say. Uh, and there's an EP on Bandcamp. Okay. Yeah. Cool. <laughs> Go check that out. Yeah. Um, it's called Mental Refraction. Okay. Yeah. And uh, there are three songs there, and that was it. Like, that was the end of the two bands that I played in. Mm. And that was a while ago. Um, and then I went to China, Russia, blah, blah, blah. And then I never stopped making music then by mm. myself. Mm. Yeah. Um, and of course, you know, when I came back home, I would meet up with my friends and jam, like, for sure. But ever since then, when I went to China... That's when I, I bought a SG, Epiphone SG, mm-hmm. and um, I bought a sound card. I, I don't know. I got like a bundle of things. And I remember sending a picture to my friend. He said, you can start recording, mm-hmm. you know? And that's like, okay, great. And um, yeah, and then that's when I started recording uh, just for myself and without a band, shall we say. Yeah, right. That's how it was. And how have you learned to do recording and producing yeah so i i studied sound engineering for two years um in spain and that was after china so um i was teaching in china for a year and when i was there i was like do i want to be a teacher you know like do i see myself doing this for years and years to come i enjoy it you know i I really do to this day Mm. but i wanted to pursue something that i really really had a passion for and uh in this case it was making music you know and producing and so on and so um I said to myself, okay, I'm going to go back to Spain. And I studied uh, sound engineering for two years um, in Granada, which is in the south of Spain. Beautiful mm. city, if any of you know about it. Um, Joe Strummer from The Clash uh, fell in love with that city, mm. um, the singer of The Clash. And um, yeah, very special city. And I was there for two years, uh, almost three years. And um, that's when I started to learn how to, to record, to, to record music, that is. 
Did you go to like a university or or a school for that? It was a school. Okay. Yeah, it was a school. Um, yeah, it was a media and communications and audiovisuals school. Yeah. So they had like a big pro studio. Yeah, they where had you a, could test everything. Yeah, and they would test you. Like they would take us to venues, to theaters, and stuff, and we'd have to set up all the you know the system, the PA, and the the whole audio equipment and stuff. Right. So I have some knowledge about it, but I'm not like. The you know the 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 highest connoisseur about it. <laughs> yeah, like I, I'm interested in it. Shall we say? Like, yeah, yeah. I really mm, like when I go in this rehearsal space now. Mm. The first thing I'll do is just like, wow, look at that, look at that, look at that. You know, like I'm very curious when it comes to um, hardware. Right, right. Yeah, yeah. I'm actually kind of a a hardware nerd too. Even though I don't nice. think I don't think I know nearly as much as you, but I I do like just browsing. Online, looking at stuff yeah. like, that I can't afford. <laughs> yeah, it's kind of like a torture, isn't it? Yeah, <laughs> like oh, I wish I could buy this thousand dollar stage monitor to take to every gig with my band, but right, it's like no, I'm not gonna do that. <laughs> you should just get a credit. Consider getting a credit from the bank and then maybe doing it. Yeah, <laughs> can I get a loan for a stage monitor? Um, as far as Vietnam, do you have? plans to do live shows so you did a live show recently at soma in district two and that was with other voices yeah um so do you have plans to translate all of these sometimes crazy recordings that you do at home into a live experience yeah 100 percent um i feel like there are many people that that I mean, like me, um, just make music and it never leaves the, the front door of their house. Right. You know? Um, and that's that's kind of a pity. Um, and I wouldn't want that to happen. Uh, and then after this concert, that uh, the one you mentioned, mm. um, it made me realize that this is the time, you know, like, especially after COVID, you know, considering that the measures here are much more relaxed. Yeah. And places are open and so on. Um, so I've I've already started like you know I think I made a post in the musicians um, group chat in uh, Facebook. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so I was like just like hey, this is the music I make. Here's an example of it. If anyone digs it or if anyone is interested in it, then you know, take a chance. Mm. Um, but on another note. Um, of course, I want to play as slower avenue, but I'm very much open to collaborating and um, making new music uh, that can take a new direction or can take a similar direction in that. Mm. Yeah, because um, I miss playing with people. Right, I, I really do. Um, as much as I enjoy love making the music I make, as I said uh, before, um, it's also interesting to have people, you know, put you know with their input to see what they have to say and and. Um, and you know, create that that music, a new type of music, or well, not a new type of genre, but like new music compared to the music that I had have personally been making. That is right. So, and your software and guitar aren't going to talk back to you. Yeah, so, <laughs> <laughs> that's right. <laughs> They're not going to give an opinion uh, when you ask a question. <laughs> so yeah, I I think that you touched on something that is really cool right now in Vietnam that. Post COVID, there's kind of this injury, uh, injury. There's this energy of, and we're not post COVID. Obviously, it still exists. So please, people out there, don't think that I'm like a an anti COVID <laughs> denier, denier person. <laughs> <laughs> I, I just mean that after a terrible um, spell of different lockdowns last year, now Vietnam's pretty much open and and there's an energy of uh people wanting to do things and and make things and especially with a country that's developing there's still a lot of opportunity for mm -hmm. uh going into different spaces and and trying different that, things that's right i mean i mean i wanted to point out uh i haven't been in vietnam long enough to know and i haven't been in saigon long enough to know mm. about music venues and bars and so on you know but um I was talking to a, a man. Um, he he's actually he moved to America when he was only um, two months old. 
mm. and he left Saigon right before uh, the fall of Saigon, shall like as the, as people call it, yeah, the fall yeah. of Saigon, and um, he he's an, an entrepreneur. Mm-hmm. Is that a, well, entrepreneur? Entrep- yeah, that's the thanks. <laughs> um, pardon my French. Uh, <laughs> so um, he he's organizing, or he has lots of different venues. Mm-hmm. And um, I was talking to him, and I sent him my music because he asked for it. And he says, "If people like it, then we'll contact you back." You know, but what uh, the the specific places or venues that he has are like bookstores. Um, you know, or like a, a warehouse, mm-hmm. you know, where they do different types of events, but it's not necessarily a catering service like a restaurant or, you know, or a, or a, a cafe or a bar. Mm-hmm. So that would be pretty cool, you know, like having a, a collective of people. And I'm no one to say this because I haven't been in Vietnam long enough to know if that's possible. Mm-hmm. But it would be pretty, you know, pretty sick to have a collective of bands and people that can share a space. And then... um you know, mixing genres and having nights where they, you know, different bands play and stuff. I think mm. that would be that would be pretty cool. Yeah, that's a that's a great idea, and that's something I've thought about myself too. Yeah, um, cool. And, and I've I've seen from my experience, and and again, even though I've been here longer, I'm still not like by any means an expert. What seems to be the most um, kind of diverse shows are are shows that people organize themselves right and instead of having like you know a a rich organizer who does it um it, it's to me it's cooler when bands or artists come together and and make something happen like, in, instead of having to rely on some businessman DIY yeah yeah like DIY yeah. exactly i completely support that too yeah and is that is that something you've ever done like um well prior to being here well i yes but technically no um when i say yes it was at my friend's uh cabin in the woods <laughs> in spain and we just got a group of people that we didn't even know you know when we we put out like a, an invite with an rsv you say that is RSVP. Yeah, RSVP. Thank yeah. <laughs> you. Um, to see if people would come and stuff. And, you know, there was a, a big amount of people, but it's it's not the same, you know. It's mm. cooler when you actually find a spot that is within a city or downtown right. to play songs and stuff. Right. Yeah. yeah, house shows are a pretty common thing in America. Um, and I, I don't know how it works exactly because I've never done it, but it, it seems to be really popular. What is as the a, housework? A, Sorry, I don't know. Ha- house show, house show. A, as a DIY thing. So, like, I guess you, if you don't have equipment, you rent it, and then you have a bunch of cheap alcohol, and you just, like, uh, ask people to pay at the door when they come in. Oh, and, so, and so it, a band plays It's a at a show house. At, a, at literally someone's house. Oh, okay, okay, yeah. okay. I know what you mean now. Not, yeah. not, like a, not like a venue, but actually someone's house. Got it. And that happens a lot with like indie bands, and um, I think that's bigger with punk, like, mm. like punk and and ska and and that um, kind of universe of music. Right. That that's more of a thing, uh, or like going to an abandoned warehouse or something. That's pretty cool. <laughs> yeah, that, that is cool. I'm I'm. The problem here is uh, noise enforcement is <laughs> is actually pretty serious, so. My band did a show at, at Soma actually um, several months ago, and the police came, and they told the manager like, "Hey, this is too loud. You you gotta turn it off or make all these people leave." And there may or may not have been um, monetary instruments exchanged between the, <laughs> the two parties. <laughs> I don't know the specifics about that, but uh, the the police went away and let us finish the show. But that's nice of them. That, yeah, <laughs> thank you, police. But, but that's a that's a concern here. Is that uh, sometimes rock bands can get shut down that's unfortunate i'm sorry to hear that that you have to yeah. go through that because that's an uncomfortable <laughs> okay. situation to be in you know like in the middle of a gig yeah although that that happens 
that happened before our set, so oh. it was it was resolved. Wow! So then they had no reason to say that. Well, there were two bands that played before us. Oh, got it, got it. Okay. Yeah, okay. yeah. yeah no, so, <laughs> right. so that can that can happen sometimes. Um, yeah. Um, on on that note, um, I've heard it from several people, mm. um, and uh, I guess you do have to respect it. But there's always a certain time where you can make noise. I mean, worldwide, that is the case. You know, there's a standard. I think you can reach 130-something decibels until a specific time of the day, you know? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So I think like 10 p.m. or 11 p.m. in certain countries. Right. So, yeah. But I don't know. But I mean, I sometimes have karaoke, right? Well, yeah. <laughs> With, you know, and you know it. I mean, uh, there's no point in, in continuing what I'm going to say, but it's like, yeah. it's loud, you know? <laughs> It's extremely loud. And like the, the <laughs> echo, you've probably felt that, right? Like with yeah, the yeah, vocals. Yeah. It's just like it resonates and um doesn't matter if you close the windows to your to your apartment or house. It's still going to be like, brum, 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 you know. Absolutely. Loud. And it, it's like they have some kind of super reverb that, that <laughs> they, they put on whatever system they're using. Mm -hmm. And then there's also like extra reverb from bouncing between the concrete buildings. Yeah. And so you just get... You just get like this crazy spacey thing that actually might be kind of cool to use in a song. <laughs> it does remind me of like Indian music at times. Yeah, yeah. Especially when there's a woman singing. Right. Um, Where they do that kind of natural like, like vibrato thing yes. with their with their throat, like the that, Mongolian chant as well. Like ay, 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 yeah, 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 thing. yeah. Very cool. But actually, yeah. Now that you say it. Uh, be cool to sample you know and then that's what i was thinking yeah 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 you don't steal our idea or his idea <laughs> you could put that on your pad like karaoke singer is this green button yeah just like, <laughs> and then like change the pitch you know and the speed and then and then have like a drum track in the background and stuff right right yeah right that's a cool idea okay modulate it yeah <laughs> there's actually um there's a woman that I interviewed. Her name's Maggie Trat, and she's uh, half Cambodian, half Vietnamese. But she mm -hmm. she was born and raised in Australia, okay. and she just released some music that has some, that samples um, traditional Cambodian singing. That is that is kind of like that, like kind of wailing, okay, sort of. Yeah. So you can you can check that out and any of the audience members you can check that out cool um i need to ask you the name once we're done yeah yeah because yeah, I, I didn't catch on to the name. yeah, yeah. <laughs> i'll tell you again yeah and that that's another cool thing i think about making music yourself is uh especially in the electronic sort of space or it could also be like hip-hop is sampling mm. different things and and taking you could take any random sound and then make that into a song if you wanted to yeah 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 and it and it gives you the um, <clears throat> it gives you kind of like a, a starting point at times you know mm. like what you just mentioned now like that idea that that could that could be the beginning of a song already right and it's not even like we don't know the beats per minute we don't know anything we just have that idea of like taking the sample of a of a chant right and um it does it it can be inspiring you know i myself haven't haven't really dabbled with that um with like you know samples mm. but um I do like weird noises, you know, um, or like tweaking noises and taking noises to a limit. Um, mm. So, yeah. So if you look at the pedal board in, that I have for my guitar, um, there's one pedal that is almost always on for slower avenue music. Mm. Um, I don't think it's going to be the case for every single music uh, song that I will put out, but um, it's the vibrato. Mm. So... Um, modulates the sound it gives it like a wiggly kind of sound and mm. um almost like a old tape machine mm. where the audio is playing but it's kind of warbly and um coincidentally the pedal broke oh, and no. it's always on oh, i can't okay. turn it off <laughs> so like maybe it's a sign you know like i should just always leave it on right because uh, I, I press the toggle switch and uh, the foot switch and it's just it's always on but obviously i'll get that fixed um so yeah, uh, I don't know where I'm going with this, but um, I do like sounds that are just not always clean, clean mm. sounds. Yeah. Well, and that's kind of a response to how popular music is nowadays, right? Like everything is, you could say, overproduced. Yeah, too, 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 um, too, what's the word? What's the adjective I'm thinking about? 
Yeah, too polished. Yeah, polished. Yeah. 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 Yeah, I agree. Exactly. It's like every little thing you can hear individually, there's not always a lot of blend of the instruments, like how instruments should be complementing each other. Mm. Probably because they weren't even recorded in the same day. They're just like recorded in different million dollar studios (laughs) and then and then shoved together. Yeah. And and we're I mean, we're talking about like the top kind of popular music. Yeah. Um that it just feels like it's it's too clean and we even have people that are singing lyrics that they didn't even write oh yeah you know yeah i know it's a different topic but it goes hand in hand (laughs) oh i could talk about that for a long time um but (laughs) because because i write all on my own lyrics um and and i always really appreciate people who who write their own stuff which you know rappers they they get a lot of shit but most rappers um well they get a lot of shit from like snobs music snobs but Mm. at least 99% of the time they're writing their own stuff right like most rappers are writing their own lyrics i think the some of the top guys like drake probably have a few ghost writers but yeah I mean, who knows? But yeah, maybe. Yeah, I, I I think so. I remember seeing about that. There's some controversy. Um, <laughs> we we've gone like to many different topics, <laughs> but I want to finish up by asking you about some of your goals as mm-hmm. an artist, um, short term and long term. And I know that's a really open ended question, but just some of the first things that come to mind. Sure, sure. Um. So, um, at the moment, um, if let's talk about short term, um, uh, I do plan to put out an EP, uh, maybe like five or six songs. Um, I already have three songs that are polished. Mm. Um, (laughs) and, uh, I, I, yeah, uh, those three songs have lyrics, uh, everything is pretty ready, you know, like I just have to keep mixing and i'm considering mastering my songs so sending them over to a a master mastering house or production house Mm -hmm. in the uk i've been looking at certain because you know you have to find the person that can understand the sound that you're making in the sense that they know what you're trying to go for you know right and that's always uh, very important so and i've never done this before sending my songs to 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 be mastered Mm. but uh the reason is i want to master five or six songs and put out an EP before 2024 or if not January or February of, of next year. Okay. And uh, I'm looking to make a music video for one song and it's like hella expensive. <laughs> it's like... It, it is expensive. It's, man. <laughs> I don't know. If, have you ever made a or considered making a music video? Because the one that I saw was like, it wasn't like cinematic, right? It was more like a trippy kind of... Yeah, yeah, that, yeah. That was just found footage that, yeah, that I spliced. Which is together. very fitting for the song, by the way. Still. Yeah. It's pretty cool. Thank you. But yeah, I just spliced that together. Um, we we haven't paid anyone to do videos yet. We've paid people to do the uh, single artwork. Okay, yeah, yeah. But not a video yet. I do have a friend who made, who's made a couple of music videos as a solo artist here. And it, it costs like twenty million or something. No, I'm talking uh, about a hundred to hundred and fifty million. Oh, God. that's what I got quoted <laughs> in the beginning. But, but wow, I know, okay, man. that's crazy. And uh, they, th- this man in question, a uh, very sympathetic man, sympathized a lot with my situation. I told him, look, I'm not Harry Styles, you know, like <laughs> yeah. I don't want to be listened worldwide. Of course, I mean, I do, but it's not like everyone is listening, right? You right. know, and it's not about fame for me. It's just art for the sake of art, you know, just right, doing enjoy it. it. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. It's like the way that I express myself, you know, in, in, in life. Um, so, you know, a hundred to 150 million, uh, VND, which is thousands and thousands of dollars, right? Yeah. That's, that's like 6,000 something dollars. $6,000. You yeah. see, like I, I would save up that money to buy a car in the future or something. But, um, yeah, so he squeezed it down to 40 to 50, and then I was like, uh, and he was like, okay, yeah, we can, you know, lower it. And I was like, 8 to 10, and he was like, you know, 10 to 15, and I was like, 8 to 10, and he was like, okay. And then yesterday I mentioned this to to my fiance Kelly, and she was like, no. And I was like, but. And she's like, no. And I'm like, in hindsight, I understand. Yeah. So long live DIY. I'll find my own way. I'll 
buy a camera, you know, which will then kind of equate to mm. not, it won't equate, but I'll save up much more money and I'll find people and who knows? I mean, I might just find a person that is altruistic and nice and wants to do it because it comes from a good place, you know, mm. but business is business and we need to respect that. Um, so yeah, music video for that song and uh, cover for that song as well, which is already in the works. Mm. Um, I'm working with a, a local artist, really cool stuff. Um, I can sh show you later on Instagram. Yeah, yeah, sure. Um, and uh, yeah, she's working already on the cover. And uh, once the cover's done, and hypothetically I can make a music video for that song, that'll be the first thing. So just slowly, you know, squeeze the songs out, um, release s several songs, and then put out an EP by, yeah, before or after 2024. Okay. Yeah. Any timetable on this single that you just mentioned? The one that has the cover art going. Oh, yeah. Oh, you mean when it's going to come out? Yeah. Well, if if there is a video clip, um, question mark, I don't know. Right. You know, incognito. Um, but um, if there is no music video, then it could come out in November, October. Okay, yeah. great. So, yeah, the song is titled uh, Hell and Gone. And, um, yeah. Sorry, you haven't asked me any question about the song, so I'm not going to say much more about it. But <laughs> the song is, uh, it's, um, I played it at Soma the other okay. day. And um, yeah, that, that's, that's all I can say. What's it about? Uh, it's about duality and um, heaven and hell coexisting. Okay. You know how, I mean, I don't know if you are religious or if the people listening are religious there will probably be religious people. I'm agnostic, so uh, I believe, but I just don't believe in the in the religions that currently exist. Mm -hmm. Doesn't mean I don't respect them. You know, I I completely understand them, and you know, have I mean, my family's Christian, you know, and I was an altar boy, so oh, wow. you know, okay. I, there's nothing like I I'm not like uh, you know, anarchist, uh, atheist, you know, non-believer, mm. but I do believe that good and evil coexist, you know, within, there's no like separation between one and the other. And um, it's just a duality. It's the whole like yin and yang kind of thing, you know, like where there's good, there will also be bad mm. and evil. And um, yeah, the, the, the chorus says like, hell is empty. All the devils are here, you know, like there there's evil in on planet earth and so on mm -hmm. um so yeah it's not like a philosophical song you know it's not gonna take much it sounds, thinking it sounds philosophical well it, yeah <laughs> but I, it's not like um how can i say it's not like uh it's kind of like um the fact that where we are nowadays you can see it you know there's evil all around and it's right in front of our face and even the good people that act like good people are actually evil, you know? Mm. Um, so that's just my point of view um, about that. Um, yeah. Okay, so that was the short term. And um, what are some of your long-term goals as an artist? Uh, long-term, collaborate with people, make uh, new music, mm. uh, form a band. Um, pardon me. Um, and... Um, kind of see the the reaction that people have with slower avenue mm. um i would be really really interested in having people join the project as well um but given the circumstances uh you know i live in <laughs> you know Bienhua, which yeah. is like uh there's not much culture going on there mm -hmm. you know and there's not much activity mm. uh, in terms of music um besides like vdm and edm music like, yeah <laughs> <laughs> so so yeah long term um keep going with slower avenue i'm not going to stop you know and um i i do think that the sound is going to change uh i can't say like oh it's going to sound like that but um i do want it to change i don't want it to always stay in a similar tone mm -hmm. you know so after this ep the next song or so is going to be different because i mean as i said before i have like this box folder of songs on my computer that are very different between one another, you know? Mm. So maybe pick up an acoustic guitar and start with the acoustic instead. And, you know, we'll see where, where, um, you know, wherever the wind blows. Okay. Thing, yeah. Cool. So everyone be on the lookout for, um, any news about the next single or about the EP. Uh, we hope that, that comes sooner rather than later. 
and it was nice talking to you today. Um, Thank you for having me, Jeremy. Is there anyone that you want to give a shout out to? I usually ask the guests that. Oh, wait, before you do that, mm-hmm. I just realized I was about to miss uh, a whole segment <laughs> that I do in every episode. This is this is what happens when you don't have an outline for the podcast <laughs> episode. Um, we've been freewheeling this whole time, and I almost forgot a segment. I'm so, intrigued. I'm intrigued now. <laughs> okay, so this is called Quick Fire, and it's 10 questions of either or. So okay. I'll just give you two options, and you choose, and you don't give any explanation. Noted. Yeah. Got it. Okay, so this is Quick Fire with... Uh, Luis, a.k.a. Slower Avenue. So, number one, coffee or tea? (laughs) Tea. Mountains or beach? Mountains. Party at the club or quiet night at home? The second one, please. (laughs) I thought that would be your your answer, but I wrote that before meeting you. So, uh, the Ramones or the Clash? Oof, um, the Clash. Difficult though. Bumba or fa? Fa. Okay. Travel by train or by bus? Ah, uh, train. Dogs or cats? <sighs> that was difficult. <laughs> I have three cats at home, and I know I have to answer quickly, but um, yeah. <laughs> they're not as clean as they seem. Right. And they're just as selfish as I thought they were. But they're so mystical, you know? Right. But dogs will be there. <laughs> dogs are loyal. Dogs understand when you're feeling down and when you're hyper and happy. So I'm going to go with dogs. Okay. Yeah. All right. Morning person or night owl? <sighs> Used to be a night owl. Now I'm a morning person. Okay. Yeah. Rain or snow? Snow. And last one, be rich or be famous? <laughs> Dude, that's quite a... That's 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 a heavy one. I, I end with a heavy one. Yeah. Yeah. That's. that's <laughs> I ask everyone that exact same question for for the tenth one. It's something that I'm not even sure how I would answer. Because it's difficult. It's difficult for one reason. The yes, you can choose now, right? Be one or the other. Mm. But what are the consequences of one or the other? You know? Exactly. Yeah. Um. Because if you said be rich in happiness, then I'd choose that. Right, right, right. But we're talking about something materialistic here. And fame is, can be very dangerous, you know, to right. your ego. So, And you may not necessarily be rich from being famous. That's true. You could be famous and then lose all your money, but still be famous. That's true. Um, Wow, I, I can't abstain, can I? <laughs> no, no one, no one has ever not answered the question. Okay, crap, crap. Okay, <laughs> let me let me answer then. You, um, you've thought about it way more than everyone else, which I I think just shows that you're a careful person. But yeah, I, I tread carefully sometimes. Um, <laughs> fuck. Um, I'm a modest person too, you know. So like, I'm content with what I have, kind of thing. Right. right. But of course, I'm ambitious. Um, I'm gonna stick with. Be famous, okay. Because, you know, when you know when this chapter of my existence fades away, I kind of want to be known for something instead of just being rich, you know. And sure, sure, what it leads to or whatever. Sure. So I'll I'll stick to be famous, yeah. Especially with creating some kind of art, you know, mm. you you have people who might say, "Oh, like I'm a purist. I only do the art." purely for myself 100% but Mm -hmm. that may be true in some ways but you also want someone to appreciate it you you do you want a good feeling if a thousand people say to you hey this is good and then 10,000 people or whatever like that that, (laughs) that's the line 10,000 no cut off (laughs) so it is nice to have some some recognition of I agree of your hard work yeah that's yeah. right. Yeah. Okay, so <laughs> that's Quick Fire with Luis, a.k.a. Slower Avenue. That's that's the longest one that we've had so far, <laughs> which is no problem. Sorry. I, I like that you challenged the question. <laughs> that's good. Everyone else just, it's like five seconds. Um, so it's then the last- sl- Slow fire then. Yeah, slow, slow, <laughs> slow quick fire. 
So then the last thing I do is I ask if the guest wants to give any shout outs to anyone who has made it this far listening. Uh, okay. <laughs> Thank you for listening. Thank you for joining us. Um, well, uh, I w- well, I do want to give a shout out to, to Thomas from Other Voices. Okay. Um, I think without him, it would have wouldn't have been possible to to do what I did last weekend. Mm. And um, yeah, uh, he, he, it, it kind of motivated me to, to play live because I hadn't considered that before that. Right. And um, a shout out to my friend Carlos, uh, to my friend uh, Enrique and other friends back home. And a big uh, and warm embrace to my fiance Kelly and my son Silas. So yeah. Okay. Love you guys. Nice. And thank you. Well, a big shout out to Jeremy as well. Oh, thank you. For uh, producing this interview. <laughs> Which, uh, which you don't see around much in Vietnam. So, as far as I know, I'm the o- I have the only English language uh, music focused podcast in Vietnam. Which I don't know if that means anything. It does. <laughs> I think it does. I, I really do. <laughs> I've tried. Fi- I've tried finding others. Uh, I don't think it it exists. So, uh, thank you for that. Um, so that is episode 18 of Soundscape Vietnam, highlighting the music makers from the north to the south. And I'm your host, Jeremy, and today we were joined by Luis, also known as Slower Avenue, um, who is doing some cool stuff with his solo music, but is open if anyone is listening to collaboration. And also, if somehow you're a venue owner listening to this, get in touch get in touch all right thank you for listening and uh as always check the um check below wherever you're looking at right now so that you can see links to slower avenue and any other things that luis wants to share so thank you signing off peace